this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode pakistan's last military dictator parvez musharraf has died in dubai at the age of 79 I was in Islamabad as a correspondent for the Hindu when General Musharraf took part through a bloodless coup in October 1999. He was the presiding officer for the Kargil incursion but later turned peacemaker signing a milestone agreement with then Indian Prime Minister Atal Bihari Vajpayee in January 2004. General Musharraf like the man he ousted from office Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif had to eventually leave Pakistan for medical treatment in 2016. He resigned as president in 2008 following a protracted civil society movement led by lawyers. As the Pakistani government announced that Musharraf's body would be flown to Islamabad from Dubai, what is the former general's legacy? How is he perceived today in Pakistan? To discuss this, I am joined from Islamabad by lawyer and political analyst Anis Jilani. Anis, welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. So Anis uh, what are your first thoughts on uh, General Musharraf and his legacy This is a good question it's uh, it's very relevant right now because of the uh, political and economic situation obtaining in Pakistan because um, during Musharraf's time uh, Pakistan was economically doing fairly well just to give you an idea pakistan the dollars exchange rate at that time throughout uh, the 9 years of its rule it remained uh, at around between 50 and 60 rupees to a dollar and now uh, presently in just one month it has gone up from 200 to 280 rupees to a dollar so you know you can uh, imagine the uh, drastic fall that rupee has taken how stable the economy was and the rupee rate was during his 9 year rule so that way the inflation was pretty much under control there was a uh, immense economic activity there was a uh, economic uh, job creation so people generally i think uh were okay and uh, they were happy uh the minus side was of course political because uh, the two major political parties they were alienated during that time and by the time he was mending fences with them he had to go then but what your sense uh, anish what your sense that you know he took power undemocratically he ousted as you know an elected prime minister what is the sense today in pakistan about that action of his you see uh, amit there are uh, varies i think like any other country in the world uh, there are opinions about it i think more or less uh, the educated people will uh, be siding with uh, general musharraf and uh, because the people are presently so tired of the civilian rule during the past uh, 20 25 years that you know they will say those times are better as opposed to this there are people especially you know i think it's a class division also but there are people who really hate musharraf 
and uh, they are i think mostly the uh, religious segment and people who feel that he was very hard on the religious groups which actually he was and they see this as a betrayal of uh, these forces uh, because throughout especially after 9/11 there was a constant crackdown on uh, the religious segment and uh, the religious segment now in the country they see it as a big betrayal and they see it as uh, the general playing into the hands of the americans so now i mean i i do understand that you're looking at uh, you know musharraf's rule through today's lens but at that time i mean nawaz sharif had been elected with a huge mandate and uh, you know suddenly we had a situation where his uh, flight was diverted when general musharraf was coming back from colombo to nawab shah and there was this huge drama and finally musharraf did manage to land in karachi and by then his close generals had already moved to take power so in, in you know in in I, i'm talking about if you you were very much in pakistan at that time what is your sense that Uh, you know how is the, uh, how would that be looked at today i mean is there a sense that you know you cannot tinker with the constitution and no army chief howsoever powerful he is should take power directly in the country the thing is you know of course it uh, the takeover was unconstitutional there is no doubt about it but um, at the same time please keep this in mind that he was not deposed in a very uh, uh, general musharraf as uh, army chief he wasn't being deposed or chased in a very decent manner he was coming uh, he was overseas i probably in sri lanka and he was chased uh, while he was on his way home and uh, there were uh, there was an apprehension that uh, you know once there is a new takeover by the new army chief uh, he will be tried for treason so uh, general musharraf will be tried for treason for initiating uh, kargil so because of that i think uh, general musharraf he was uh, he had already prepared that in case he is deposed like this he will fight back so uh, he fought back but at the same time there is one very important thing which you should always keep in mind that army never takes over in pakistan unless it has the public support army has always taken over when the people are so tired of the civilian rule that uh, there is no resistance otherwise you know pakistan is a very big country in terms of population and uh, if uh, the people they come out on the streets to oppose an army takeover then uh, it's a very unlikely that the army will resist the public sentiment but somehow a, uh, you can say either the situation has manipulated the civilian rulers of course they say that situation has manipulated but lots of times by the time the army takes over the people are so tired of the rule both politically and economically that they welcome the move 
So I, I do understand that today's Pakistan is also, you know, in, in the midst of considerable turmoil. So would you say that the people, again, might be looking to the army for a solution? You know, I, I will uh, hold my comments on this because you know, it will become a legal issue. But uh, yeah, the, the situation is not good. Yes, the situation is not good. But I think if, if you are asking about today, then uh, yes, it's a very sensitive situation. But, you know, I think uh, General Musharraf, he was... You know, one thing you, I'm surprised you haven't asked is already, which is, you know, the his uh, talks with uh, India. I was going to come to that. No, I was going to come to that. I just thought that we'd deal with this. Yeah. In your uh, in your uh, introduction, you had mentioned about the, the general signing an agreement in 2004. So uh, this, I really don't know about. You know, this agreement you're talking about, the one he signed in. No, that was the agreement when Vajpayee came January 2004, Anis, for the SARC summit. When uh, General Musharraf agreed that the territory of Pakistan will not be used for terrorism against India. And then a whole lot of agreements followed. That's the agreement I'm referring to. Uh, but there was no agreement, actually. It was like a joint statement. Yeah, I mean, yes. So you could call it that. Exactly. So I now want to move towards uh, his, uh, you know, his role with India and his uh, legacy with India. We uh, we all know that he he was uh, uh, pretty much the architect of the Kargil incursion. Uh, you know, he was very reluctant uh, to receive uh, uh, Prime Minister Vajpayee earlier in Lahore. But then he did turn peacemaker and there were a lot of, uh, you know, um, a lot of dialogue was held between India and Pakistan. How would you assess his legacy when it comes to dealing with India? I think he, uh, the general, he was very unfair to uh, Nawaz Sharif because Nawaz Sharif has always wanted to improve relations. Somehow... This is one of the positives of Nawaz Sharif uh, in power, that whenever he has been in power, whether in the 90s, you know, in the 90s he came to power two times, or, you know, when he was in power just recently, um, a couple of years ago, before Imran Khan, you know, every time he is in power, he tries to improve relations with India. And uh, when he was trying to do this in the period 1997 to 1999, you know, uh, Musharraf, he opposed it and he especially opposed it during uh, the Lahore trip. And he, not only he opposed it, but he sabotaged it through Kargil, which I think was frankly inexcusable. Now, how it should have been handled is a separate uh, thing. But, uh, you know, it definitely sabotaged the relationship. You know, there was immense momentum. There was bonhomie on both sides. People were so happy. They were looking forward to improve relations. And suddenly, you know, it was spoiled. And uh, it was uh, a miracle that just a couple of years later, the uh, people were able to recover out of this. But, uh, you know, it really sabotaged it. So that way, and the same guy who had sabotaged it a couple of years later, he was the same guy who was visiting Agra, and he was constantly making concessions to India. And uh, frankly, you know, the formula which he was proposing on Kashmir, I think uh, it was a relief and it was a boon that 
there was uh, no agreement on that formula because I think that formula, as far as the people of Kashmir are concerned, it's it was a disaster because it basically talked about maintenance of status quo, nothing else. It would have killed the whole issue of uh, Kashmir, Kashmir self-determination. You know, Pakistan stand as far as Kashmir is concerned, it's based on the right of the people of Kashmir to have self-determination. And if we had agreed to Musharraf's uh, formula, it would have uh, finished the whole thing. Right. So, Anis, I also want to ask you about Musharraf's relationship with the United States because, uh, you know, uh, he was um, very much in command of Pakistan when 9-11 happened. And then he made a dramatic U-turn. And also he, you know, allowed um, the, the Americans to operate from Pakistan, allowed, uh, uh, use, uh, allowed the Americans to use Pakistan as a conduit to supplies to Afghanistan. How would you assess his uh, relationship with uh, the United States? Uh, you know, uh, there is a school of thought in Pakistan. Firstly, there is a school of thought in Pakistan which sees almost everything that happens, uh, they see it as a conspiracy. Uh, which, you know, even if a road accident takes place, they see it either as an ISI conspiracy or as a CIA conspiracy. So if, suppose, uh, the accident involves someone powerful or someone in power, then it's all the more reason there is a conspiracy. So this school of thought and belief that every time there is an army takeover, they, uh, it's always sanctioned by the CIA. That uh, there is always a blessing of the CIA or the Pentagon before the army takes over. I personally don't think so. Uh, I think lots of times there is uh, uh, indifference on the part of the Americans. Musharraf took over in uh, October 1999. And if you can recall, uh, both India and Pakistan, they were under uh, the U.S. sanctions because they had conducted their nuclear tests and there were sanctions imposed on both the countries. So... Uh, this was a time when we didn't really have good relations with America. And when Musharraf took over, there were even more sanctions imposed on Pakistan because of a military takeover. So uh, the, initially, the relations with the United States, they were pretty bad. I think uh, the relief to Musharraf came in the shape of 9-11. 9-11 changed everything. Now, there are, I think, majority of Pakistanis, they will criticize Musharraf, including lots of people in the in Pakistan's army. They criticize Musharraf, you know, for succumbing to American pressure. You know, this famous uh, Powell's um, thing that either you are with us or against us. But, uh, you know, did Musharraf or did Pakistan really have a choice? You know, uh, if uh, we could uh, say no to the Americans, if the Americans wanted, because there was immense anger in America after 9-11, Pakistan could not have said no to America at that time. So basically, he just sided with the Americans. What subsequent, and basically siding with the Americans at that point of time, it just amounted to not supporting the Afghan Taliban. You know, this is a, an important thing. America, all Americans were asking at that point of time was, 
not supporting Afghan Taliban so that Americans can take action against the Afghan Taliban. Once the American action started in Afghanistan, lots of those Taliban, they started moving inside Pakistan. This is when problems started. And lots of these Taliban, they started taking a sanctuary uh, in the tribal areas. And then the Americans, they asked Pakistan to take action against them. They said, either you take action or we will start taking action. And this is what led to this immense uh, terrorism in Pakistan, you know, which uh, was pretty bad. You know, thousands of people died in it, uh, including lots of people from the military and police. Uh, So Pakistan suffered a lot. The economy suffered a lot. And of course, they kept asking the Americans for more aid because Pakistan was suffering. Because of, But this was not the solution. I think we were unable to really handle it well. So, Anis, uh, one other thing, obviously, which I would like you to, you know, recall and uh, comment on was uh, the movement of lawyers that finally led to uh, Musharraf's resignation in 2008. Uh, do you think, had he not tinkered with the judiciary, you think uh, he would have been able to continue in power for longer? You know, again, like what I said a couple of minutes ago, uh, lots of things in Pakistan which happened, people, they uh, link it to the intelligence agencies. So uh, there is a huge number of people who now link it to uh, the intelligence agencies who say that this whole movement, it was inspired by it and it was behind it. And they just wanted Musharraf to be replaced uh, because of his policies on Kashmir and because they were uh, getting tired of his uh, policy in handling terrorism. But it was mainly Kashmir and he they wanted him to be replaced. So this group, it's, you know, it blames people within the army and uh, within the intelligence agencies, uh, to be doing it. I think obviously it was a mistake, but uh, at the same time, if suppose there was a conspiracy, I don't know who will find this out eventually if there was one or there wasn't, but if suppose there was a conspiracy, then uh, it could not have been helped because obviously then the judges also must have been involved within the conspiracy. It could not have happened on its own. So uh, the judges were part of the whole thing. But obviously, it led to his downfall. There is no doubt about it. And he handled it very badly. But it was a mass movement. There were so many lawyers on the streets. Yes, it was a mass movement. But again, you know, this uh, this is again a good timing by whoever was uh, supporting it. Because obviously, you know, such movements, they cannot take place without money. And there was money. Uh, So someone was supporting it. I was also part of it, I think. Uh, So the people were there. But, uh, you know, like uh, I said earlier, these movements, they are linked with people's frustration also. Musharraf had been in power eight years. People were tired of him now. They wanted a change. So this is lots of times these changes are initiated by who God knows who. But these changes are initiated when people are tired. 
So, I mean, one recurring theme in whatever, uh, you know, we've been talking about is this uh, role of conspiracy or the perceived role of conspiracy. You think uh, the conspiracy is more important or the perception of conspiracy? That seems to be a recurring theme in our discussion today. Both. Um, I think there is definitely a conspiracy because the uh, intelligence network in Pakistan is pretty comprehensive and wide. I won't say that it's very effective. I think it's very inefficient, but it's very extensive. And mostly it runs on, uh, on human intelligence. So it's not so sophisticated as, say, the American intelligences, you know, where they use equipment and um, you know, satellite surveillance, those kind of things. So this is, this is like kind of raw and it's kind of very basic. But they basically run on human intelligence. So, but this human intelligence network is huge. It runs into millions of people. So one can say partly it could be human uh, conspiracy. Uh, it could be these intelligence uh, services conspiracy or it does it matter really that whether there was actually one or there was there is a perception of being one? What exactly do you mean? You know the difference between an actual conspiracy and the perception. Well, I'm saying you know the kind of uh, you know overarching importance uh, attached to conspiracy. Anyway, uh, before I let you go, Anis, I'm going to ask you a couple of other things uh, which uh, you know come to my mind. Especially, we also did see in '99 when Nawaz Sharif was uh, deposed. There were no protests uh, demanding civilian rule. And equally in 2008, you mentioned uh, that people were tired of Musharraf as well. So it appeared that, you know, uh, that people really uh, had not much uh, to say when, uh, you know, democracy was supplanted or even a dictator resigned. Yeah, I think, I think people can, uh, people generally, they want a change. Uh, I think this is true for any system. Uh, after a while, people get tired of the faces unless they are economically very well off and they are doing better than what they were doing uh, five years ago. So if this their situ situation is not improving but rather worsening, then people, they definitely want a change. And then, uh, you know, this downfall or you, you can say this escalation of the downfall or decline. This can be uh, supported by some agencies that, you know, that so that this can be escalated and supplemented. So before, uh, you know, we sign off for today, Anis, in short, if I were to ask you for Pakistan, what is Musharraf's legacy? Good guy, but bad guy, good general, bad general, you know, where would you sort of uh, vote on? Oh, this, uh, I think, as far as, for instance, human rights are concerned, it was a golden period. His uh, era was one of uh, the best ones in Pakistan's history. Uh, there was immense progress in the field of human rights, uh, which goes to show his belief in uh, democracy and in human rights. There were lots of reforms introduced in the name of human rights. Uh, there was immense progress as far as women rights are concerned. 
if you, uh, I am a lawyer, and I can tell you, like, if you look at the laws which were enacted during Musharraf's initial three years, uh, you will be surprised. You know, more laws were enacted in the initial three years of General Musharraf's rule, while he, there was no political government. It was just a, he was called the chief executive. There was more legislation during those three years than, say, in the past 30 years of Pakistan's history. And many of that legislation, it was um, relating to human rights. So good progress there. Immense emancipation of the media. Immense. You know, all these more than 50 plus uh, TV news channels, which are functional now, they were introduced during his time. And uh, there was hardly any interference by the government. There is much more interference nowadays when the so-called civilian governments are in power than it was when the military was in power. They had total freedom. They had freedom to even criticize uh, military rule. They had the freedom to criticize even General Musharraf. You know, there used to be cartoons made of General Musharraf almost every day in newspapers. Nowadays, the civilian rulers, they are sensitive even about cartoons. But there used to be. Um, so there was th this sense. I think the biggest minus was terrorism. That uh, th there was introduction of terrorism. Uh, like, for instance, this culture of suicide bombing. This was introduced during his time. The suicide bombing, it, it wasn't there in Pakistan's history before that. And even he escaped uh, attempts on his life, General Musharraf. Yeah. So that was one big minus. I think there was uh, extremely good progress as far as uh, improved relations with India are concerned. So that was, again, a very big plus. Uh, this is I'm saying this despite I am not agreeing to his policy on Kashmir or his formula, but at the same time, at least there was immense um, goodwill and improved relations. Anis Jilani, uh, thank you for uh, talking to us about uh, General Musharraf's contentious uh, legacy. He was obviously a complicated person. So we leave it here for today. And thank you so much uh, for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Anis. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.